0: Second Peter verse six. Second Peter two six it says If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes, and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. There's a cultural disconnect between the church and our culture. Our culture is headed to hell in a handbasket. Um, I mean, all you have to do is look around and, you know, the King James in this in this passage I just got finished reading, it talked about that uh, Lot's soul was vexed. And I like that word vexed. And, you know, when I look around at the ungodliness that surrounds me, I am vexed. Vexed means you're overwhelmed with grief, anxiety. You are just offended deeply. You know, a lot of times we don't look at Lot as being all that particularly Righteous <laughs> I mean you know right a lot made some bad decisions, but in this section he was he was the the light in, in Sodom and he was vexed in his soul by what he saw and heard and so uh, I was thinking about how do we counter counteract that in our lives I mean we are we are surrounded by culture all the time, and it seems like the more we become Climatized to the Word, the more offensive the world becomes. The more I grow in the Word, the more the world becomes offensive to me. So I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about what, what we do to defend ourselves, and I was thinking about thankfulness. So I wanted to teach today on thankfulness. I think it's important. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5. You know, thankfulness is one of those subjects, you bring it up and people go, yeah, 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 I got it, we're supposed to be thankful. I think it's a a, a big topic you know, every year we have Thanksgiving, you know, I've mentioned this before when Thanksgiving comes, I always say, OK, but what's the object of your Thanksgiving? Who are you thankful to? You know, if somebody gives you a present, you would say thank you. And who are we thankful to on the day of Thanksgiving? I mean, plenty of people are saying, well, I'm thankful for this and I'm thankful for that. But who are we thankful to? And that always stumps people. I mean, unbelievers. Of course, we're thankful to God for all these blessings of his. So Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 18. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing that we learn about thankfulness is it's not circumstantial that we are thankful all the time in all situations for everything. We're thankful. We're thankful. Go to Colossians chapter three, Colossians three. You know, I think what what robs us of our thankfulness is the routine day in, day out grind of life. It robs us of our thankfulness. We get caught in the machine of life. And we, uh, we forget to be thankful. So Colossians chapter 3, look in verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful, and be thankful. So we're allowing the peace of God to rule our hearts, and we're thankful. So thankfulness and peace go hand in hand. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God so we're you know i get this sense of you know filled to overflowing that you have you know this uh cup that's filled to the capacity then it overflows with thanksgiving to God God loads us up with his blessings. We're singing psalms. We're singing hymns. We're singing spiritual songs with gratitude in our hearts. And it says, and whatsoever you do, whether in word or deed, whatsoever, you're to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives is in everything, everything we do, every decision we make. It's through our Lord Jesus Christ and accompanying it is this great thanks that we give to God through him. Now, of course, that makes us very adaptable, doesn't it? You know, the world goes into a a hissy fit if something doesn't work out the way they expected it to. For us, we're pretty adaptable that if the situation is going for us, we're thankful to God. If the situation goes against us, we're thankful to God. I mean, I think about a cat. You throw a cat up in the air and a cat always lands on its feet. And my son Joshua has tested that theory many times. (laughs) But cats always land on their feet. Well, so do believers. And why do believers land on their feet? Because we're thankful that God accompanies us in every situation. He's always right there with us. There's always things to be thankful for, right? This isn't just me, you know, adjusting my doctrine so that it, It fits the circumstance like some chameleon. It's that we are always thankful that that's the constant in our lives. That even when things are looking bleak, God is still on the throne and we have the victory in Christ. That will never change. It will never change. Now, whether a person wants to admit it or not, life is spiritual. It's spiritual. I look around, uh, we live in the most blessed nation in the entirety of all history. Of all history, we are a blessed people from a national point of view. Our country is the most prosperous. The people are the most well-educated. We have the most diverse population. And yet, to many Americans, if you were to ask them, they would call this country the worst of the worst. And how, how can you come to that conclusion? Because men love darkness rather than light. That's it. Because people aren't thankful for what they have. That you can take a person who is absolutely uh rich, has everything he could possibly need, and that person is typically the more, most, uh, you know, spoiled, <laughs> right? The worst thing you can do for your kids is give them everything they want. Why? Because that kid will grow up with expectations of more and more and more. They're not thankful for what they have. Any good parent understands this. And I think that's one of the reasons why a good parent learns to say no. Because if everything is yes, then that child's not going to understand thankfulness. The world has a constant diet of resentment and discontent and bitterness and unforgiveness. This is what we see all around us. And there are physical ramifications that come along with these spiritual maladies. And it's only thankfulness that is the spiritual antidote. Go to Proverbs chapter 15. I look at our our culture. I mean, people are living longer and longer lives, but uh, are they blessed? Are they blessed? Proverbs 15, look in verse 13. It says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Heartache crushes the spirit. Go to Proverbs 15:30. It says, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart, but good news gives health to the bones. So you really see that there's a a physical aspect to this. Uh, Proverbs 16:24, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Proverbs 17, verse 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And then uh, you don't have to turn there, but Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, it says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to trouble and defile many. So thankfulness is the key. If you're thankful, you can't be bitter. If you're thankful, you're going to have a cheerful heart. If you're thankful, you're going to be speaking pleasant words. You know, I think about the physiological effects of unthankfulness, um, you know, heart issues, cardiopulmonary issues, or eating disorders. How many people have horrible eating disorders because they're so racked by anxiety that nothing works properly? Hypertension, that's a biggie in people our age. They have to deal with hypertension. And, you know, it's so easy for us to get dour and negative, isn't it? It's it's all around us, this vexing that we experience. Everywhere we go, people are griping and complaining about something all the time. You turn on the TV set, you watch the news, what is it? It's gossiping and complaining and griping all the time. I just want to know what's going on. I don't want to hear all this other stuff. And, of course, there's spiritual effects, too. Uh... Of thankfulness. And as I said earlier, so unthankfulness affects our perspective. We do not see things properly. We don't see things properly when we are unthankful. When you are thankful, it clears your perspective to see things the way they ought to be seen. I'm always amazed from a psychological point of view. how You can take two individuals and put them side by side and they have polar opposite perspectives. Why is that? Same set of facts, different perspectives. One person sees, you know, he's confident. He sees, you know, ways to do things. He's inventive. He's ingenious. He's hopeful. And another person is griping and complaining and can't see a way where there is a way. People like this are spiritually handicapped by resentment and discontent. For a believer, it's it's just Fatal spiritually, I mean, that a person who allows or a believer who allows himself to be overcome with, you know, resentment and discontent is absolutely sluggish in responding to God's direction. If he can perceive it at all, he, in fact, he's actually blinded to certain spiritual realities. You see, a person cannot complain and be thankful at the same time. It's just not available. I think about in our culture contentment versus covetousness or envy or discontent. We have a culture that is constantly looking over the shoulder of somebody else. Well, they have more than I do, right? They have a prettier wife or a cooler car or, you know, they, uh, they have a better job. And it's this constant comparison. And it breeds discontent and unthankfulness in our hearts. You see, thankfulness for the believer is just not an option. As nature abhors a vacuum, the same is true spiritually. If you don't have thankfulness in your hearts, something else will take its place. And that's the truth. Go to Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs 14. And look at verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Isn't that beautiful? You think about if you're thankful, if you're blessed, you can't help but think about all that God has done for you. Are you more apt to help somebody who is in need or less? Well, of course, you're more apt because God has blessed you and you can bless somebody else. The same is true with forgiveness. God has forgiven you. You are thankful for his forgiveness. And so when there's a, a person in your family or a friend or somebody in your fellowship who needs some forgiveness, it's easy to forgive that person because of, you know, the heart of thankfulness that you have to God for all that he has forgiven you for. Proverbs twenty three seventeen it says, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Right. We you think about the the habits that a person builds in their lifetime, and these are habits that will carry them through to old age. And I think about people who have unfortunately chosen to build habits of unthankfulness, discontent, unforgiveness, or resentment. Go to Psalm ninety verse eight. It says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins. In the light of your presence. See, you're never going to fool God. You can fool people, but you'll never fool fool God. You know, I can convince people that I don't have a hard, crusty heart, but I can't fool God in that. God always knows, and oftentimes God knows of things in my life that I don't even know myself. You know, there's a verse in Philippians that says, "And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even that unto you." And that's one of the cool things about it is there are times where I am just impeded. I'm stumbling. I don't know why. Well, God knows that there's something amiss in my heart. I'm not thankful for something I ought to be thankful for. Right. I mean, I think about family problems, the problems that people wrestle with for years and years and years in their family. And I think of a a spiritually perceptive counselor sitting down with them and saying, well, uh, okay, you're really pissed off at this person. Is there anything that you're thankful for? The point here is that we should be, I mean, even before wrestling with any kind of issue, we ought to be reflecting in our prayer life or our family on the things that we're thankful for. We should be thankful for one another. I I just think, you know, it's such a, it, you know, a lot of times you hear stories about people who take each other for granted. And then one day, that person isn't there anymore, for whatever reason, and then you're faced with the regret of not having told that person how much you're thankful for them, and it's a big deal. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We should be very thankful for the people in our lives. We ought to be thankful for our good friends, for our wonderful spouses, for our awesome children. We should be thankful, our really awesome parents, right, boys? <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 12. It says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves, and they compare themselves with themselves, what does it say? They are not wise. They're foolish. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us, a field that reaches Even to you. Isn't that something? I think one of the surest ways, the surest pathways to unthankfulness and anxiety is when we start comparing ourselves with one another. It absolutely is. This constant need to compare ourselves. That's where envy and covetousness come from, right? I'm envious of this person for whatever reason. There's only one person that we ought to be comparing ourselves to, and that's who? Jesus. Jesus how does your life measure up to Jesus? Our thankfulness starts first thing in the morning with our sincere devotion time to God. Right. You know, I think that, you know, there are plenty of times to beseech God for needs in your life. Absolutely. And needs in other people's lives. And God loves that. I wouldn't want to discourage it at all. But I really think that we should be starting our day every day with Thanking God for what He's already done, for what He's already accomplished in our lives. Sometimes we have a bad habit of, you know, coming to God with our list of things we need. Go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, I am not saying this, this is Paul speaking, I am not saying this because I am in need, or I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. See, we certainly are a flexible people. We thrive when we have a lot of money and we have a lot of prosperity and we thrive when we don't because our thriving isn't based on, you know, our, our bank record, is it? No, it's reliant completely upon God. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Of course, people have wrested that verse, that last verse, out of its context and try to make you feel like you're a Superman who can do everything. That's not what it's saying. (laughs) Not at all. It's saying that in whatever circumstances that you find yourself in, that it's you and God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Most people think, well, if I change my circumstances, then... I'll be able to walk better with God. That's not how it works. Thankfulness guards our hearts and our thoughts from the deceitfulness of sin. A discontent and unthankful heart is a carnal heart. It's a carnal heart. It's a sinful heart. So whatever circumstance I find myself in, I'm thriving if I am thankful. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And look in verse six, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness and contentment that you are just thankful for what God gives you every day. You know, I think about the Lord's prayer. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Right. We're in the, I mean, that's a pretty humble you know, to do list for God, isn't it? Just take care of me. It says that if a man has food and raiment, he should be just blessed, right? Content. Verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. And here, there's this, here's the verse. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Many griefs. But you, man of God, flee these things, flee all of them, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. You see, this is the spiritual life. It is not linked at all to financial prosperity. Not at all. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. Remember, Paul said, whether I am rich or I am poor, it makes no difference to me. In former ministries, we used to take, I mean, just incredibly so, a person's financial prosperity and link that to his spiritual growth. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. How did we ever do such a thing? Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse 5. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said never will I leave you never will I forsake you. So what is the true riches in this verse? The fact that God will never leave us or forsake us. That makes us rich. I mean, compare the you know the the fat, you know, a big bank account, compare that with God promising that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's crazy, isn't it? So How are we thankful in adverse situations? We recognize that God never leaves us and he never forsakes us. He has a personal commitment to each one of us, each one of us. And he will not suffer any of us to be tempted above what we are able. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Isn't that something? So, What are we thankful for? We're thankful that we are delivered from sin through Christ. We are thankful that we are saved from wrath through him. Go to Romans chapter 5, Romans 5. We are saved from wrath through him. Look at verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So if you ever find yourself in an adverse situation and you're just... You're looking around and you say, what could I possibly be thankful for in this situation? Well, how about this? That you are saved from wrath. As bad as you have it at any particular time in your life, it doesn't compare to what you've been blessed to be saved from through Jesus Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1. We are thankful for the grace of God that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. Chapter one, look in verse four, it says, I always thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. We are thankful for grace, thankful for grace. I think about how we are thankful for God's word, God's word, that God's infinite, just immeasurable wisdom has been condensed into a book. It's a the most amazing book that has ever been written. And we have access to this book everywhere we turn. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I get online, I can find Bible verses everywhere. We've got Bibles lying all over the place in this house. You know, sometimes you think about it. If it was more rare, we might take it a little more seriously. We may, we might value it more, wouldn't we? But, you know, I think about these countries that have no access to the Bible. You know, I always think of this. YouTube clip that I saw where these um Koreans are being given Bibles for the first time, North Koreans, in a fellowship. They have a camera in there. They bring in Bibles and they give these Bibles to these Koreans and they were ecstatic. They were leaping around and jumping and crying and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was really amazing and, you know, the Asians aren't known for their You know they're displays of emotion, but these people were just beside themselves with joy. Something, some other things that we're thankful for. God's forgiveness. I am thankful for God's forgiveness every day, and we should all be thankful for that. In fact, we should be very wary of the times where we're not thankful for it, because why? If I'm not thankful for God's forgiveness, I'm taking it for granted, and if I'm taking it for granted. I'm also taking my need for that forgiveness for granted. And that's not good. That's not good. We're thankful for God's salvation. We're thankful for his salvation, that God has blessed us with his salvation when we deserve none of it. We're thankful for faith and hope and love. Can you imagine, uh, you know, with what we have learned about the Bible and how we have You know, our hearts have gravitated towards hope to then be denied it. You know, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. You know, we have a world out there that has no hope. It's hopeless. People finding their hope in their politics. It's crazy. God has rescued us from our disappointments and our discouragements. I've had many disappointments and many discouragements in my life, and God has rescued me from them. Do we think about that? How about the fact that God is our sufficiency? How thankful are we of that? Go to Second Corinthians chapter three, look at verse four. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ Jesus, or Christ uh, before God. It says, "Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God." That word for competence is translated in other versions as sufficiency our competence. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life, right? Uh, I think about Second Corinthians nine fifteen. You don't have to turn there, but it says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What gift is that? Well, that's the gift of the Holy Spirit that God's given us. And God has given us his Holy Spirit, and we should be thankful for that. We're thankful for our intimate walk with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, You don't have to turn there, but it says uh, the life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Why? So that you may also have fellowship with us for our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. We write this to you to make our joy complete, right? So we're thankful that we have a relationship with God. No other religion offers that, that you have a relationship with God and you have a relationship with your Lord Jesus Christ. And then another thing I was thinking about is that we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. Go to Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two. And look at verse 17. It says, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. So we have access to God. Is that something to be thankful for? And that's just not access to him so that you can stand and petition him as a a legal sense. It's that you have the very access of a child to his parent. That's the access that we have through Christ. And because we have that kind of access, we have access to God's wisdom and we have access to God's peace. We have access to his strength. We have access to his patience and his long suffering. We have access to his order that God has, you know, that we have the capacity to have our lives ordered by God, ordered by God. We are thankful that we've been called to this one body. Go to Colossians 3:15 and look at verse yeah 3:15. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We read this earlier. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Be thankful. We're thankful for this calling that we have. We're thankful that those things that God hid from the wise and the prudent, he has revealed them to us. How about that? Go to Matthew chapter 11, Matthew 11. That God has shared things with us that he has denied to righteous men and women in the past. Matthew 11, verse 25. It says at this time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have, hid, have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and have revealed them to children. is that amazing? I mean, it's amazing how much we know of God's word. Absolutely amazing. God always does, always causes us to triumph through Christ. Um, you don't have to turn there, but 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always causes us or leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. So God has blessed us in Christ and we, he has given us the victory. Is that something to be thankful for? And uh lastly, uh Philippians 1-3 says, I thank God every time I remember you. <laughs> that we can be thankful for one another. And I've mentioned that before, that we're thankful for one another. We should be thankful for our daily food. We should be thankful for our clothing, our housing, our families, our friends, our jobs, our freedoms, and our health. And regardless of how the, um you know, the Elections have turned out or will turn out, you know, depending on what happens in the courts. It really has no effect on our walk with God. Our walk with God is a walk of thankfulness, gratitude. We shouldn't withhold that from God. I think it's just incredibly important for our spiritual lives that we are thankful early and often. So anyway, that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. Let me finish with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, we say thank you a lot in our prayers, Father. I just hope it's not redundant and thoughtless. And Father, when we say thank you, we truly mean thank you, Father. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for the the food that you give us every day. We're thankful for the clothes that we have on our backs, the houses that we live within. We thank you for our friends and our our brothers and sisters in Christ, in this wonderful body of Christ. We're thankful for the wisdom that you give us and the power and the strength. We're, we're especially thankful for the hope that you gave us through Jesus Christ. Father, we're thankful for the giftings that you've given us so that we can bless others and the giftings that you, can, that you gave to others that they can bless us back. And, and Father, we thank you for the one body and that your word has preeminence in this world. We're thankful for having ahead Jesus Christ, what an awesome and wonderful Savior and Lord he is. And, Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us in our salvation, and, Father, how we can live eternally with you. So we thank you for these things in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.